Hello everyone and welcome back to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. Um, you had a brief reprieve last week from these dumb intros, but anyway, I'm back once again with the Renegade Masters. Um, this week me and Matthew talked to Sam about Hatchet. Now, I'm going to level with you here. Um, I probably wasn't quite 100% ready to come back, so if I sound a bit odd or my brain's gone a bit odd... <laughs> You know why. Um, but it's a great episode, and um, I really hope that you enjoy it. So um, don't hang around here and, 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 and listen, because here's the theme music. Yeah, no, no theme music yet, actually, because there's one more thing. Um, I talk about one point in the movie, I talk about somebody changing accents and make it sound like that's bad acting and it shouldn't be that way. It is actually part of the plot that the character changes accents. Anyway, this time's... Now, now is the music. Or is it? No, it is. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. Hey, I stole, he, he took my line. I stole that off Matthew. He said that last week um, because very nicely took the helm of the ship because I was uh, uh, not, not in the right place to record, uh, shall we say. And um, yes, that was his intro and I loved it. So there you go. We, I, I'm taking it. We're going to run with that one, I think. Lovely. I just want to say as well how glad we are to have you back. Well, On behalf of me and all the listeners. Yes, I'm sure they like hearing my uh, podcast voice, uh, which is sort of slightly higher pitched than my normal voice. I, I, I don't really know how that goes. Anyway, uh, obviously, you've heard Matthew and I'm Mark. Um, it's not the best greetings, but whatever. Let's keep going. This week, we're joined by a guest. We have guest uh, in Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Hope you're both good. Yeah, well, oh. I'm as good as can be. As can At the be. time of recording, it's just after England have played in the World Cup and a, a very drab, awful nil-nil draw with the USA. So that's the scariest thing we're going to talk about this evening, I feel. Yes, it was the, one of the most boring football matches I've ever watched. Um, if it wasn't boring, it was just depressing. So, <laughs> yes. yes. Unless you're American, in which case, played pretty well without trying to sound patronising. <laughs> we love you, America and England and Wales and everywhere. Oh, of course, it's uh, Wales, isn't it? You must love Wales yeah. today, yes, especially today. Yeah. Plus later, later on, it'll be it'll be a war. Oh, summer! I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand sports. I I don't know what's going on in in the football or whatever it is that's happening right whatever, now. Whatever's happening in the world of cups, we don't know or care. Um, or we do. I reckon it's going to be another mugs versus glasses final in the world of cups this year. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I think tankards are they're not. So they used to be good, but they're just not the same they used to be. 
<laughs> oh, that took a turn. I wasn't expecting. Oh, lovely. Well done. You got. A... Oh, I'm all confused now. Right. Okay. So, Sam, as you know, or you may or may not know, we've started doing would you rather's, and I've got a would you rather. So, would you? It's vaguely related to the episode. Would you rather try and survive the night with? A Jason Voorhees, or would you try and survive the night with a Victor Crowley? I'm going to say Victor Crowley because hashtag Victor Crowley is my boyfriend and I love him. And um, yeah, I think if you just sat him down and had a little chat and talked through his trauma and things, I think he'd be a lovely companion for the evening. Uh, hmm. He, he, he hasn't come across as someone who's willing to have a conversation regarding these things. Do you just feel that you've, you'd be able to calm him down with your dulcet tones? Yes. Well, I'm, I think he's just misunderstood. I'm going to take this down a different path. And I'm going to say that in Creative Psychopath canon, we've only covered the first Friday the 13th film, where Ooh. Jason's only really just this little fella at the end in the lake. So the threat of Jason in creative psychopath canon, of course, is very minimal. So I'm taking my chances there. His mum, not so sure, but Jason, from what we what we know here, nothing to worry about. Hmm. You've given yourself a strange out there. I don't really... <laughs> I'm, I'm developing podcast canon. This is, <laughs> this is going to be a thing for us now. Well, I am going to go, uh, I'm going to go Jason too, but only because I feel like he's slightly less brutal. Um, and I don't, I don't fancy a Victor Crowley style death. Can you uh, imagine that? Can you imagine how messed up you have to be for someone to describe Jason Voorhees as less brutal than you? <laughs> it feels true though. It feels true. See, Jason would just punch your head clean off. Whereas, well, as we'll, we'll probably come to later. I think that the next staying on it longer and more twisty. Yes. With, yes. Our, with our friend Victor. Lovely. Anyway, so the, I feel like, I don't know why I feel like I've got to say why that's related to the episode, but um, of course, both people played by, oh God, Kane Hodder. Wow. My my little horror brain fizzled out then. It went. You had, you had a little moment, didn't you? Then. Well, I was playing with plasticine, which I shouldn't have been. I like. You were going to call him the Undertaker, Hodder. <laughs> wow, you're full of it tonight. You've really. Oh, um, the England games bored you so much that you've. Yeah, I've, up... I've got two hours of pent up energy that I've got to get out. <laughs> well, so um, Sam, since your first time here, you're going to be answering all these wonderful questions before we start talking about the film that you've brought with you, which uh, is Hatchet. Let's, let's uh, you know, what's the name of the episode? So I don't know why there's this weird secret thing until we get there, but... show. what is the first question? Uh, so what is the first horror movie that you can remember seeing? I can remember seeing um, Silence of the Lambs, which I didn't see all of it, but... My um my grandparents and my dad used to um have a pub and our bedroom was the other side of the living room and my granddad used to 
um, tape all of the movies off the TV whilst the pub was open. And then in the evening, he'd watch them back. And I'd always be in bed. And I remember going up one night to go to the toilet and walking through the living room. And it was on the scene in um, Jane Gum's house with the night vision goggles. And I remember just it making me feel funny in my tummy and just going, oh, what is this? And my granddad saying, you shouldn't be watching this. Go to the toilet and go back to bed. And I was just transfixed by this scene of, of Clarice sneaking around, trying to find her way around in the dark whilst he had his night vision goggles. So how, how so? What sort of age were you when when this happened? I don't know. Because um, it's maybe seven or eight. Um, wasn't allowed to watch the rest of the film. Um, very quickly hurried out. Um, but that's that's the first film I have a, a recollection of. The first one I remember all the way through is Jaws when I was about ten at a slumber but party. I, I think Silence of the Lambs is a really it's a really interesting one as a first watch because I, I think I watched it for the first time where I was, I was in my late teens and I, I didn't get spooked by it so much being, I saw it, you know, more as a, you know, rather dark police procedural. Uh, and of, of course, everything in it, the, the themes and, and everything and are horrific and Hannibal's, are, you know, incredibly brutal and sadistic character but I, I can see that's been the sort of film that would go one of two ways i think you could probably watch it without really feeling much in the way of chills but also being terrified of it uh, so, so it's yeah I, i'm interested what what did it do to you did we uh, properly spooked or more intrigued no, I just remember, just remember, just feeling really creeped out because I'd never really seen anything like that before. Definitely wasn't allowed to be watching horror movies. Definitely wasn't allowed to be watching even that few minutes whilst I crept to the loo. Um, but on the complete flip side, that is now one of my comfort films. That if I'm feeling sad or having a bad brain day or I'm just want to feel cozy. Oh, no. That's a, that's a hell of a cosy movie. I, I watched The Holiday with Kate Winslet when I feel sad. Although, obviously, it's uh, unrelated to horror movies. Film. Unless, of course, you really hate rom-coms. I think I, that's just told me that I need to get a comfort film, because I don't really have one, I don't think. Yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm sort of oh, obsessively watching new stuff, really. I, I, I very rarely re-watch films these days. Yeah, I mean, I suppose Jaws is technically my comfort film, but I think I just love it so much that I'm like, um, maybe it gives me too much joy. I'd, maybe maybe I'd, I'd have to say Jurassic Park then, Think really thinking about it. I think that's... Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. It's old Spielberg, he's scaring us and making us feel happy all at the same time. What a, what a man. What a lovely chap. I'm really losing it this week. I'm, I was like, I've had a, I've had a week off and my brain's gone broke. Um, yeah, let, let's see. So, given that, when did you actually become a fan of horror? Was it watching Jaws all the way through? I feel like it was before then. Um, I've always been one of those annoying little children um, that wanted to like things that everybody else didn't like, um, and I remember. Um, 
did you guys used to have the book fair that used to come along and they bring these lovely shiny trolleys into your school and at lunchtime you could go and buy books and things and I remember being about eight maybe and buying um you could used to buy filofaxes but they did fun faxes for kids and there was a horror fun fax and it had all these creepy stories in there and it had about um that Amityville house yeah. and real life horror stories and murders and things probably written at a slant for children um and I remember buying it and just, but I was always just fascinated with anything sort of dark and macabre so I loved reading um the horrible histories books just so I could read all the gross horrible things that used to happen in there um so I feel like I've always been drawn to sort of darker content material I know that sounds so goth and wanky but hey ho Mm. so I think yeah I've always just been drawn to watching those kinds of films maybe it's it's interesting I don't think I can't recall anyone having felt like it they were born from reading things but um I think I think I had a lot of that because there was certainly books and in libraries and stuff that had pictures from films that I knew I want I wasn't brave enough to watch that I definitely was fascinated by. Um in fact my parents' friends had a book of like old posters from like the fifties and stuff like that. It was like a book like that and I would be obsessed with things like them and uh yeah other stuff like that. So yeah no uh, that's it's, it's funny that yeah Maybe my horror history goes back further than I thought. Some sort of obsession with the uh, scary stuff. I don't know. Uh, so what is the best kill? Ooh. On a theme, and I was very disappointed. I had my notes already, and then I listened to one of your episodes, Mark, and you had the same uh-huh. best kill. Mrs. Palmietto from Hatchet. The head rip is my favourite kill oh, yeah. in all kills any movie ever. Yeah, that's a it's good beautiful. One. Yeah, I love that one. It's really it's really good. Um and it didn't disappoint watching it this time round. I was like, oh, this is coming up. And uh no, it didn't it didn't disappoint. So yeah, no, well that's nice. I'm I'm glad that we've uh, that we've got that in common. Um yeah, lovely. Well that's cheered me up <laughs> no end. Um obviously we'll 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 get to that later maybe. Uh well definitely. Uh so standout effects Oh, I obviously, it's the same conversation every week. Um, practical effects, big fan of practical effects. Um, of course. Anything 80s and cheesy and delightful, we love. Um, but I'm going to go with a new one and Terrifier 2 um, because the gore and the effects in that were very, very disgusting. We love it. Um, and I appreciated it anyway, but then after getting the Blu-ray this week and watching the behind the scenes and just seeing how much effort goes into um, creating the effects, just even mm. watching, I know um, Damien Leomi does a lot of the effects himself, but watching him directing and blowing through a tiny little tube to make the tiniest little air bubble in a, in a little air sack, just so much effort and detail is incredible. So... Yeah, he's, he's 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 definitely an effects whiz kid. Um, he's got that sort of eighties style down, while having a modern uh-huh. twist to it. I think, which is good. And I think, 
Yeah, I, I've not actually seen Terror oh, Fire nice. 2 yet. I've still not got around to it. The only thing I have seen is one uh, gif that was tweeted at me, which was just Art the Clown blowing a whole group of people away with, and it was Squib City. Ah, uh, yeah, way. yeah, yeah. So I will, I will certainly grant you that it. I can guarantee that it's fun. <laughs> so I will, uh, I'll validate your uh, your answer on this one. Just I'm from looking that one forward to gift. doing Terrifier two on the podcast because uh, I I really enjoyed it, and I know it'll be interesting to pick apart the bits that didn't need to be in there. Um, I I really look forward to doing that. Um, but yeah, and I think I was I think I read or heard that Damien Leon had hired an effects company to help him on that film, but they didn't in fact they weren't in fact able to or whatever. So he did everything himself. Um, which considering again, given budgets and stuff like that, he's you know, I think he's great. I really like the budget was absolutely tiny uh, for it. Yeah, it was small again, wasn't it? And he's really, uh, they've really, they've really done a good job with Terrifier too. I think uh, it's hit, hit a decent step on it. They've made money on it. And um, I'm sure I read that they were going to put it into the Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> I think they did a for your consideration post. Why wouldn't you? Which I think anyone can technically <laughs> submit things for consideration, whether it makes the Oscars, I doubt, but. It'd be lovely. Imagine David Howard Thornton going up and collecting a little award in in full art costume. Oh, that'd be good, that, yeah. It's, it, it's not so much that, you know, we think it might win awards and stuff, because obviously it's not going to, but it's just fun just knowing that a lot of these people, not everyone, because I don't want to say that everyone at the Oscars is like this, but a lot of them are rather snooty and will, would turn their nose up at these sorts of films without giving them the time of day. And them having to watch <laughs> it just makes it worthwhile to submit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I wonder how many of them wouldn't even bother. Well, I mean, there's there's talk at the Oscars that, that they just make their decisions based on who gives them the nicest free watch, isn't there? Ooh. The old, uh, the old Harvey Weinstein approach. Did he get watches? Uh, he he was very very aggressive in the way he campaigned for his films to win Oscars. Because his his name was on the producing credits for most of the films. He he took the statue home, so he would like bribe, intimidate, cajole people. Well, there's no secret. He's a bit of a balancer. Well, the thing is, that's like. That's just been just a normal bell end, and then he was worse. <laughs> you know, that's a, like like that's like the tip of the iceberg for how much bell end he was. Yeah, I was going to drop a C bomb there, but I thought we've, I don't think we've quite no, we done that on the podcast. No, yet. We haven't. Uh, you're welcome to. I don't care. Um, well, if there's anyone who's right for that right, word, yeah. it's him, isn't it? Well, we haven't. Sa- we'll. But we'll, we'll save it. it we'll save it. Um. Oh, where was I? Uh, oh, movies that need a sequel and movies that need to stop making sequels, or if you've got an answer for both, then do an answer for both. I would like, and it's long, long awaited, but I would like a sequel to Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes! It keeps being discussed, it keeps being dangled as a little carrot, and I need it. Yeah, I think there's a video game on the way. 
It is next year. Yeah. Very excited. Yeah. But I'm with you on that. I'd have a I'd have a sequel to that. So an absolutely cracking film. More Chiodo Brothers films, please. Yes. Oh. It's a little surprising that we haven't had one, really. You think with streaming, it's a sort of project that streaming services love to resurrect, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And it's it's not like it's an unpopular film either. You know, it's like, you know, there's, there's even Funko Pops for that. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. it's a cult classic, isn't it? It's a pro- possibly like the perfect definition of it. Yes, well, no, it's, a, it's, it's a surprise. So yes, I'm with you. I'll take that. I'll take one of those. Do you have any that you would like to stop making sequels or were you, are you a sequels forever kind of person? I am a sequels forever kind of person. I think if someone enjoys a franchise, let them enjoy it. And if you need to make 47 sequels, you go do that. Somebody will enjoy them and watch them. Yes, I like that. I like that. Um, that's the sort of creative psychopath uh, point of view, really. Enjoy what you like. Um, although no, no tech, no more technish. No. Unless oh, it's yeah, no more. Yeah. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. No. I love that answer. Um, right. Let's see. Oh, but what is your favorite franchise? Definitely um, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. I probably couldn't tell you if you asked me what happened in 4, 5, and 6. But they're just all so fun. They're silly, they're quotable, they're camp. Yeah. Freddy is a peak bad guy. The stupider and camper he gets, the more I love him. I'm, I'm not mad about it. Um so yeah, I know lots of people have said that, but I think it's just a beautiful creation. Yeah, well, there aren't that many franchises to choose from, really, are there? So, you know, I could have said Hatchet just to you know carry with a theme, but I think yeah, Big Elm Street is definitely up there. Well, we'd be getting to four, five, and six this year in September when when the sleepover returns. We'll be getting to four, five, and six. So. You'll be able to. Just going to say it's very exciting time coming up. I think we might have got our first guest lined up. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll get you back in September. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm... not that we're we're forcing no, you no, to do we'll it. Come back in course. September and. Uh... Okay. But we've said it now, and the listeners have yeah. heard, so you have to do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Unless there's some big upheaval that says they never want to hear from you again, I can't. Nobody's that vocal, though, so you'll be all right. What's the worst horror movie you've seen? Uh, I'm going to be nice again, and I'm not going to say any of them are the worst, because if anyone's taken the time to commit to making a film, then good on them. It's more than I've ever done. Um, So I'll be diplomatic and say the most disappointed. And sorry to bring it up, Saw. Um, Spiral. It It was so disappointing. Um, I do love the Source franchise. I thought I was over it and I was very bored, but in the run-up to Spiral, I thought, right, I'm going to watch them all again. I'm going to deep dive. I'm going to join up all the little dots, find out all the little connections between the films. And I had a newfound appreciation outside of just the, oh, all the middle sequels are just 
torture porn and gore yeah. there's actually a cohesive story in there that you probably don't notice when you go to the cinema because you're so busy going oh that's so gross there's so much complex storyline and there's so many little easter eggs in each film that link them all up together that you probably don't appreciate until you do a deep dive so there are some great videos on youtube i watched yeah so i was pumped to go in to watch spiral and then it was so disappointing um i genuinely didn't like anything about it um and i have used this turner phrase before but i enjoy it greatly it was not from the book of saw it wasn't even on the same bookshelf as saw it was in a different library somewhere else <laughs> it it was a what is that this book thing? i think they were what? trying to make a cinematic that. universe like the conjuring universe the marvel universe so i think that was probably going to be the start of a wider universe and then it tanked and everyone thought it was poo um so they've just gone back to doing saw 10 instead now or whatever number we're on is it 10 9 my my biggest beef with spiral uh which is spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it but uh i went to the cinema to watch it having not seen most of the later saw films and I, I took my seat. It was all, everything was going fine. And then they introduced this new young rookie cop, and then as soon as you introduce him as this, hey, we've got this new character. It's, oh, so he, he he's the guy then. You know, it, it's straight out of the the Sunday evening ITV drama yeah. playbook. <laughs> it's like it was so like painfully obvious. It's like Saul's usually cleverer than this. Yeah. And quite often with the twist at the end, it's not all that clever. See, I didn't expect it to be or him it's... because it was so laid out to be him. I thought it was going to completely blindside me when we get the reveal. And then I was just so disappointed. And I'm a fan of Darren Limbaugh's money's great. His sequels in the franchise are great. Some of his other stuff he's done is really great. So when I knew he was at the helm, I thought, great, this is going to be really, really good. And then I was just really sad. I, I saw it in the cinema as well, and it was during, um, well, just after a lockdown. So it was a first venture back to the cinema. Yeah, really, it was one of the first ones yeah, back, I was really wasn't it? Sort of excited and nervous because it was doing something normal, but it was weird to do something normal. And then. I assume we all had masks on did, at the time yes. as well, I guess. Um, yeah. So I had no glasses on, so I couldn't see very well. So that was quite stressful. Um, but I just sort of walked out into the cinema and just went on a tirade at my husband about how terrible it was whilst all the other cinema goers just looked at me like, what is this crazy shouting tattooed lady on about? <laughs> not not a horror film, but I had a similar experience when I went to see Moonfall earlier this year. We have yet to see that, but I've heard it's not great. But it caused you to run. No, I, well, I... I go to the cinema. Well, sorry, not not so much anymore because I, I wrote the other half into getting an unlimited card. But I used to go back by myself quite a lot, and I, I moon I found Moonfall just to be the most absurd thing. But I think I, I must have had some sort of look on my face that caused two other cinema goers to discuss with me how much they enjoyed the film for being this monstrosity. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep it in how much I hated this film and how everything about it was really awful. Uh, 
So I, I wasn't rude, of course, but I got close to it, I think. <laughs> of course, rude to the filmmaker rather than the people involved who got my, you know, full attention and formally charged. As far as I recall, the only movie that's made me that mad was X-Men 3, The Last Stand. Um, well, that's for another day, I suppose. Um, so the last question before we get into the movie is, What's your favourite horror movie, if you can choose one? Um, I can't choose one. So going back to the comfort movies, okay. I've got a list of movies that I sort of go to as my comfort ones that aren't necessarily my favourite ones. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't remember what it was called. Silence of the Lambs, Hellraiser. Uh-huh. Um, Hellraiser is one of my lovely go-to-sleep movies. Um House of Thousand Corpses. These are probably hereditary. These are like my cozy, comfy movies, um, which does say a lot about me. I fully aware. Um, but I don't know if they're my favourite. I think probably House of a Thousand Corpses is my favourite horror film and probably favourite film of all. Don't worry. I mean, if you say it here, you're not actually committed to it. Um, you know, nobody's... Nobody's going to enforce that on you. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't think anyone would ever say Hereditary was a comfort movie. Um, <laughs> Just me. I think I did say it was the best, though. Yeah, I think you did say it was the best movie, but... I, 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 and I stand by it, damn it. I don't like to think that you would find any comfort. In it. No, it's fine. Enjoy what you like. Um no, there's not. There's not. No, it's not. It's, just, <laughs> right. it's the familiarity of it. I think I've just seen it so many times now that there's comfort in knowing what comes next. Yeah. And yeah. Knowing, um, knowing every single little thing that's going on in the film, and still finding little bits that you didn't notice the last time you watched it. Um, same about you, Matthew. Saying about watching new things i'm constantly re-watching things when I'm tr- i try to watch new things but i just watch the same things over and over and over because there's a nice little happy bubble to live in even if the happy bubble is screaming because your child got beheaded well well like like just a caveat what i said that, that there are a few films that i i do re-watch and hereditary is one of them because like you said there is a lot to find in there still I'd say that Jordan Peele's films as well are also films that I revisit. I'd say a lot, but more than most. You know, same reason, just there's a lot to dig into there and you, you do see new things most time use that you watch them. Lovely. I think we missed the question, Mark, only because oh, I'm really excited oh, to talk about sorry. it with Matthew. What's the scariest film? Unless that's later. But in my list of orders, is further up. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, you're right. It is what's the scariest horror movie. Sorry, I, I've missed it. My brain's no, all over fine. the place. I'm just very excited to talk about what's this. What's the scariest horror movie? I'm no, worried it's good. now. It's fine, it's good. <laughs> um, I'm going to cheat a bit, and it's a play, not a movie, but Ooh. linked to a movie, Ooh. which is Ghost Stories. Ah. Which obviously you covered on the podcast, ah. and I loved it. It was great. Um the most terrified I've ever been in my entire life was watching ghost stories live on stage um, in, I think, the 
original London run. Um, so very, very long time ago. That's, yeah, yeah that's OG yeah. stuff. Um, and I went on my own and I was in the second row. Jesus. And I was right by the stage and I could see everything and it traumatized me. So would that would have been with yes. Andy Nyman? Andy Nyman was um, yeah. Professor Goodman in it, which was very exciting for me. Um, and it was just amazing. I've never been so physically terrified, sweating, shaking. Um, I couldn't sleep with the lights off for weeks afterwards. And there's things that they employ in the um, stage production, like smells and certain sounds. And I would smell those smells years later. I remember once- Yeah, I bet you didn't clean your bathroom for weeks, did you, with that bleach thing? Years later, (laughs) I smelled like a Dettoli smell and I could feel sweat running down the back of my neck. And it took me a good five minutes to put my finger on why. Um, and that's just so clever. And that just shows how much of a freaking genius Andy Nyman is. He's just so, so clever. Um, so I've seen it four times Fun. on stage now, but I'm a fan of the film too. A fun little aside as well. Uh, me and the other half watched uh, David Bedeal's documentary, uh, Jews Don't Count, the other day. And she refused to accept that Andy Nyman was the guy from Ghost Stories in it because he looks so different just in his day-to-day life than he does in the film. I like his um, big Giorgio Romero glasses. Very big glasses. Yeah. They're they're full-on jam jars. That's great. I've been lucky to bump into him a few times, and he's a very, very nice man. And very, very, well, I don't know. I don't want to say scary, man, because that seems unpleasant, but knows how to scare people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I've, I've... I feel touched that uh, that you thought. No, of it was great. Well. I really enjoyed that episode um, because it would be safe to say that Ghost Stories has been an obsession since I saw it the first time. And all I wanted to do was go on the internet and research. But at the end of the show, they say, please keep the secrets of Ghost Stories. So I couldn't find anything anywhere. And it was so frustrating. And then obviously when the movie came out, a lot of the themes and things were discussed more. Um, so I'm just waiting in in the hope that it comes back to the theatre at some point, which I don't think it's going to. Well, we saw it in, in Birmingham. Uh, so I, I think it is something that does. It does. I saw it on tour. From time to time. Just so before lockdown. It would be, a, well, I, I would say next time that they do tour, I think we should have to drag Mark to it as well. And, uh, Here's my plan to take maybe everybody. We, maybe we can do an episode of the pod. them. I've taken people who've seen the film as well, so they know exactly where the the play and the story is going, and they've still been terrified out of their skin, which is good fun for me because I yeah, don't find it scary anymore. Well, when I when I saw the film, I, I didn't really know anything about it being a play, uh, so it only came sort of later on when thinking, oh, what what's this film? Where's it come from?" And then sort of reading reviews and seen it about then that it was a play and then it was it, i think it was like an instagram ad just popped up one day showing hey it's playing in i think it's the alexandra in birmingham it's like oh friday tickets you know and that was oh, it that was lucky and yeah fantastic great show yeah, i'd like to see that it sounds it sounds good um 
I think it's a must for any horror fan because it's a completely different experience. I haven't been scared by anything for a while, or at least a movie anyway. Um, well, my my uh, promise to you, Mark, next time we see it touring, I will I will go to wherever in the country that it's on to take you. it. <laughs> um, Preferably nearby. Ideally nearby. Uh, lovely. Right, so, uh, oh, that is the first slice of bread and a horror sandwich. I'm sorry that I missed that question, but actually it was a nice little end because you two got to chat about that. Why? Yeah, that was the, the crust of the oh, bread, yeah. wasn't it? Like, we got what a nice, nice end to it. Absolutely, absolutely. So we always ask, what would you, what do you actually want in your sandwich? What, what If it was a real-life sandwich? Mine's going to be something really disgusting, like mashed potato and like sausages or something and then gravy to dip it in like i like a, a sunday dinner sandwich uh, yeah that though that, that sandwich and disgusting just doesn't go together i love i love mashed potato in sandwiches it goes quite like a pie sandwich as well yeah yeah i'm with you uh, I, well, I, I don't understand why a mashed potato sandwich would ever be vilified while a chip butty just gets to wander around. <laughs> that is true. People think I'm strange for having mashed yeah. potato sandwiches, but it is the same as a chip sandwich. You are very right. No, it's better than a Carb chip sandwich. Because mashed potato's got butter in it and a bit of milk, if you like, if that's what you like. You know, yeah, whack it together. I love mashed potato, me. I'd, I'd put it at the top of the potatoes for me. It is my favourite kind of potato and it's my favourite of all the foodstuffs. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to disagree and I, I, I like a good roast yeah, potato. Yeah, no, I'm definitely a mash man. Oh, mash. We're going to need to find some way of working potatoes into this the podcast. <laughs> potato chat. If you're going to be murdered by a serial killer, what kind of potato would you like to look like <laughs> by the end of it? <laughs> if your last meal was potato, what would you enjoy? Um, on a sandwich related question because I find this a very important question to ask people if you were a sandwich what sandwich would you be if yeah, I was a I sandwich a good way of, um, I would be human sandwich human sandwich it's not very good yeah, yeah. I'd just be just like two slices of bread either side of my love handles uh, something boring probably beef paste oh no <laughs> we put Mark through an industrial grinder and just a huge hand crank, just pushing him through. Well, I like beef paste, but it's a bit boring and, you know, not everybody's cup of tea. That's to say that's me. Hmm. I think I'd be like a lasagna sandwich. Just weird. Mm. It's good. I would be... Uh, in, in terms of uh, mine and Mark's... Rose's history. Mark would be a Yorkshire pudding Ooh. wrap, and and I would be a black pudding sandwich. Fair enough. Huh? For, for listeners, Sam is pulling a disgusting yes, face, which is only appropriate when talking about. Well, black yeah, pudding. yeah. We've gone, we've gone weird. We've gone. Sorry, that's because I'm here. No, no, it's sandwich chat. We're always happy to have sandwich chat here on the Creative Psychopaths Sandwich thing and just sorry just to put it out there i'm just gonna call it now black pudding is the most horror of food because stuff. it's blood it's literally made of blood it's all it's blood it's made of blood hmm. 
The only way you get more horror than that is eating a skeleton. Can I pig's brain? I wouldn't like that. I'd rather eat black pudding than a pig's brain. Not still not as horror. Hmm. Blood's got just got that that edge horror wise. Nah. I'm still calling it. Well, I normally ruin people's sandwiches with blood, so you're right. We're putting black pudding in your sandwich. That's well, we'll get there. It. I haven't decided. Well, we haven't decided. Something's not happened. Anyway, so the filling of this here horror sandwich is the movie Hatchet from 2006, um, which Sam chose because she loves it. And, I do. And so I'm going to get into a little bit of the the bits. And I haven't written some things down because my brain was all over the place. So... This has been written and directed by Adam Green, um, who came up with a story of um, Victor Crowley when he was eight years old um, at a camp that he was at. One of the camp counselors said something along the lines of don't go over there to a place that's not supposed to go because of hatchet face. And then in, r- rather than just being scared like eight year old boys do, he just went, what the hell's hatchet face? What does he do? What's... Uh... What's the what's the story behind this hatchet face? Um, but of course, they just made it up. But he uh, then went on to develop his own hatchet face thing um, at the camp, telling people stories about hatchet face. And he was nearly sent home for it, which is fun. Um, and of course, many, many years later, I don't know how old he was when he did when he did this. Um, he brought it to life. Adam Green, I wanted to uh, mention that he did do, an, he has done another film that I quite enjoy, which was Frozen from 2010, but not Elsa and such like. Um, it's about three people who get stuck in a ski lift. Peter, have you seen that? I have. Yeah, it's a good movie. I don't love it, I but I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good one. It's just, uh, at least it's unique sort of thing. Something different. Uh, right, so I haven't written down the budget for this because, as I say, my, my, my head was a little bit, is a little bit all over the place. Unless you've so, written it. Well, I, sorry, I, I haven't, no, but I, I'm just going to take the uh, the opportunity to ask the question while uh, we're, we're talking yeah. about Victor Crowley. Of... Do you think there's any sort of relation to Alistair Crowley? Because that's what was on my mind for the whole thing. I don't think it's a purposeful thing. It's probably just a name that Adam Green had heard of because I think he's had the name Victor Crowley since he created um, the character. And I think he did drawings and things as as a little boy. Um, so it's probably just a, a name he picked up along the way, but I don't think it's a, a purposeful connection. Um, yeah, because they, they said it, and I, I, I must be completely transparent. I, I didn't really know anything about Alistair Crowley before it, uh, other than the Ozzy Osbourne song. Well, I was just about so, to say, I mean... Adam Green's a massive um, metal fan, so it might have been something that he picked up way as a kid. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I assumed, uh, be it... Uh, yeah, it's nice to know that that's, that's seconded then because it's not really, I mean, it's not really an occult character, is it? No. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, sorry. So yeah, the budget for this was one and a half million, which is a low budget movie, um, and it box office at two hundred eight thousand five hundred and fifty. So it's not done so well box office wise, but it has gained a lot of traction since like being off the cinema. So I think it did a lot better, you know, like DVD and streaming and word of mouth and that sort of thing, because it is. Um, as far as I know, Victor Crowley's got a Necker figure, which which is which puts him in horror icon territory for me. Um, it's also not that uncommon, is it? It's the sort hmm. of thing that we mentioned with the the Leslie Vernon episode as well. In that, not a lot of money on a theatrical run, but just gathers steam and and eventually finds its audience. I, cer- and, and I gets certainly that think that's success. a horror uh, thing. Uh, so let's see some of the cast here. So we've got. Joel, I think he was in Avatar more as Ben. Uh, Tamara Feldman, uh, Mary Beth. Dion Richmond as Mark, Marco, Marcus. I haven't written it properly. Marcus, I think. Marcus, yes. Sorry, can't read my own writing. Um, Mercedes, she was definitely an angel and Buffy McNabb uh, as Misty. Jolie Fiorinvanati or something as Jenna. That's the one. Lovely, thank you. <laughs> Harry Shen as Sean. Joel Murray as Doug Shapiro. Uh, also, he played another... Well, he had two names in that film. I didn't write them both down. Patrick Adabo as Shannon. Uh, Richard Rehaley as Jim. Uh, Joshua Leonard as Ainsley. And Kane Hodder as Victor Crowley. And uh, Victor Crowley's dad. Thomas Crowley. Oh, Thomas Crowley. I believe. Um, yeah, so um, a little bit of the plot, basically. Um, ben and his friend Marcus and some other people are at Mardi Gras, but Ben does not enjoy boobies and beer because he's, a I don't know, something wrong with him, obviously. But so Ben decides we're going to go on a haunted tour of the Bayou, and uh, they do that, and, well, they... Stumble across a well. They don't. They're told about the legend of Victor Crowley. It's not a legend, and lots of people get murdered. Yeah, so that's the sort of general basic plot of this film. What I will say is, before they go on the boat, uh, we get well early, right at the beginning, we get Robert Englund uh, in there. Also, horribly, Robert Englund gets murderized as with his son. Um, and as you say, Tony Todd, who I think is excellent in this, even though he's only for such a small amount of time, he makes a big impact. Um, you can really see because he was a classically trained actor, you can see that in him, uh, in this just in this scene. I really like it. Um, yeah, so Victor Crowley, pretty gross to look at. I think he's beautiful, and they changed him up for the second film, and I prefer OG first hatchet Victor Crowley myself, but hey-ho. Yeah, I must admit, when uh, I saw him this time, I was like, I, it wasn't as I remem- as I remembered him, and but then I don't think I've seen the other hatchets. I feel like I've been, um, what is it, Mandela-affected somehow. The Necker figures are more like the later iterations of um, Victor Crowley. He's a bit more lumpy-bumpy in the 
in the later ones and a bit less sort of scarred and moist looking. He is rather moist and rather violent. Yes. Um, because as uh, we talked about, um, this movie's got some great kills in it. Um, talking about Shannon, right? Who gets, is, it, is that right? Who gets killed? No, I've got that wrong. Alexander? Is that Shannon? No. But as much as this is one of my favourite films, I don't know anyone's names in it. Yeah. And it, it's like and, Mercedes McNabb and the other ones. I'm not sure any of the characters really need <laughs> to be known for the film, no. are they? They, they are 2D at best. It's definitely a movie of canon fodder, but it's also a movie, a movie of um, mixed acting. Like I'd say, for example... Uh, like Joel Moore as Ben, I I've I always like him in stuff, even though he's always playing the exact same thing. He always seems to play that character. It's just you, um, but you know, like some of the other acting's not as good because they've got um, the person who runs the boat, and I've forgotten which actual character is he. Is he Sean? Yeah, Sean. Sean. Shen. Yeah, who starts off with a sort of Louisiana accent. And then slips into a Chinese accent later to be produced by a different American accent. Um, but it's not the best as far as acting goes. But I quite, it's a horror comedy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was something else I forgot about this film going in because I, I have seen it before, obviously, because, you know, I chose that kill. I remember that being such a good kill. I don't remember it being so silly, um, which and it is quite a silly film. Um, it was always intended to be, and I think that's where a lot of the problems with Hatchet not being as commercially successful um, stemmed from is that the marketing department for the film, how little marketing I know they had, um, didn't really understand that it was a horror comedy. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't promoted as such. Um, so I think a lot of people went into it expecting a serious horror film, expecting the next icon of horror like is on the poster, um, but then would delivered something different to what they were expecting, which I think great. If I walk into a, a movie and it turns out to be a horror comedy, amazing. Um, but I think it was probably a disappointment for some people expecting a more serious Affair. Yeah, yeah. It, it's crap on both levels, isn't it? Because if you sold it as a serious thing and it's not, but if, you know, if you... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a bit of a wet blanket now, but I went into this film sort of vaguely aware that it was a horror right. comedy, but spent all the time thinking, where's the comedy part of it? <laughs> I got a sense from this film, basically, it's my, my takeaway would be that it's not a satire of the genre to just do the genre badly. No, it's actually a good slasher film um, in terms of, you know, the kills are good. You've got plenty of um, cannon fodder and... The final girl is rootable, as in you want to root for her. 
you, you've been speaking too much to Australians here. <laughs> Readable. So, yeah, and I think a lot of the humour in this is very early 2000, which is what it's from, you know, that sort of that sort of general era where, you know, insulting people for the things that they think was... Yeah, I think I probably need to preface this with saying that I... I didn't I you know I only saw the film for the first time for the podcast. So I'm mm-hmm. seeing this very new and I I've I did feel that there's a lot of stuff that's of the time. Very much of uh, the time. So I, I kinda want to just sort of say that when I'm criticisms are are going to come up, there is a lot of that to it. And it's. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't want to feel like I'm being too harsh to the film because of that. Uh, but I think it was a massive barrier to my enjoyment of it. I mean that that aside though, um, what did you think of like the effects and the kills? Because this movie does something that um, that I that I've said over and over again, where the movie the kills in this are so over the top they become unaffecting but they are entertaining to watch. Would you say that you got something out of those at least? <laughs> oh, ah, see, you, the the problem that I've got now is that you're putting me on the spot to say the stuff that I was saving for the review part of it at the end of it, uh, because I absolutely love the kills. The kills are are fantastic. They're, they're fun, they're creative, they're extravagant, and like you say, they're, uh, they're, they're over the, the top to be to the point where they're not affecting in terms of you know scares and discomfort because they're so ridiculous. Uh, but I also think that's by design that the yeah uh, because that's really where I saw it as this pastiche of the eighties slasher. Uh, and of course, you know the setting and and the group of people leading to a final girl and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, what. My problem was is that I think that was the only thing I really liked about the film. Yeah, it's it, it it's a tricky one, really. Um, and I do think part of this, the problem with this one is that um, not a lot of the characters, apart from maybe the final girl, and I quite liked Ben, uh, uh, particularly um, there's not enough setup of characters to give a monkeys about whether they die or no, not. No, I, I think and... that uh, I mean the films, uh, you know, set in this group of people that go into the swamp, and there's what two, four, six, nine, eight people that go into this camp, and we've got two proper characters in there. Two characters, sorry, three characters that are cannon fodder, and then the rest of them are again 2020 eyes kind of stuff that you don't see anymore, and probably for good reason. You know, uh, the two women that are uh, that survive longer than so the, the two women that don't die first and, and aren't the final girl, they basically exist only to get the tits out or be dumb bitches. And that's, you know, that's just something that we left in 2006, you know. But I think it wasn't, 
think that was an intentional thing though I think as a huge fan of 80s slasher films Adam Green created Hatchet as a love letter to those kind of films so rather than doing it because oh you must have sex and boobies um in horror so he put them in there as like a Oh, like a box ticking exercise. I think they were in there as a as a nod, a wink mm. to to the kind of things that happen in in eighty slashes and the ridiculousness as they go on through the um, through the franchises of how silly things get. And I just think I think that's a, just a huge nod to those things. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see that where you know where it comes from, and you know I. I you know, like I say, I'm not, I'm not trying to rag on anything for enjoyment uh, of it because, like I say, I I think I've come to this from the wrong place. You know, I think a lot of the criticisms that I'm leveling at this are, you know, they're down to me. They're not down to the the filmmaker doing what they've they've set out to do because I think they've probably done it quite effectively. Yeah. I think I'm coming at yeah. it from sort of the wrong time and place. Yeah. Well, um, so the other thing to talk about with this is that I think in a rare occasion for a horror movie, and it ends on a cliffhanger. Yes. Um, we don't know if Mary Beth lives or dies. Spoiler um, alert, Hatchet 2 picks up the next frame exactly where it finishes off. So you could technically oh, really? watch oh, really? the first three films are all set in one night. So you could watch one, two and three back to back and it would be a full story through the course of events of a night. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So if you watch two, there is a fourth, there right? is, which is set a couple of years later, uh, 10 years later, I think. And that's um, just called Victor Crowley. Uh, 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 as it's Hatchet for here, Victor Crowley in America. All right, okay. So I think around the world it had different um, different titles. I prefer Hatchet 4. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, oh, well, that's really interesting. I'd be, um, be really interested to watch the sequels, I must admit. They're very um, fun. They, it's very similar vein. Um, there is a, a obvious plot that runs through the first three films um because it's continuous um but the kills get sillier and sillier and gorier and gorier to the point that they are hilarious absolutely hilarious and i think that's where a lot of the comedy lies for me is just the sheer slapstick of the kills they're so funny yeah i'm absolutely with you on that yeah i think they're great um well does anyone have anything else they want to bring up about it um, before I move on to what the world says about it and then us giving our reviews? Or, you know, you know what I mean? I, I think I would just like to reiterate again that, that uh, my criticisms come from me, not the film. <laughs> uh, because I, see, I looked at uh, a lot of... Uh, reviews and sort of uh, thoughts about it afterwards and a lot of people uh, have been saying 
sort of uh, how sort of how funny it is mostly. And I, I did feel that I'm the guy who didn't get the joke at the end of it. Yeah. So I think any any criticisms uh, that I have, they're they're in good faith, but I don't think they're necessarily accurate. That's what it is. It's all personal. It's all personal opinion. You do not need to defend. What you're I know, but I feel quite bad about it because uh, I, th- I just think I watched it at a bad time. You, and... you don't have to. Uh, so the reviews of the world. So we've got a five point six on IMDb, fifty five percent Rotten Tomatoes, and a score of two point nine on the old Letterboxed, which sort of lands it middle of the road as far as the world is concerned. Now, as you know, Sam, because you've listened to a few episodes, we go for a three-tier system. It's either shit, oh, that's spooky, although I don't normally say it like that, and... Um, you should do, though, more uh, often. I think it was very uh, and And a creative psychopath. Now... I think I'll go first on this one. And I'm actually, surprisingly, you might be surprised to hear this, I'm actually going to drop a creative psychopath on this one. Because, number one, part of the, for, almost for the same reason that Terrifier got this pass for me is, a movie made on such a small budget deserves a little bit extra from me. Um, but I think it is a sort of love letter to, to horror films. Um, I think the the kills are really creative. I like Victor Crowley as a character. Um, it doesn't matter to me as a general rule that everyone's cannon fodder. I sort of do agree with Matthew that I think a lot of the jokes don't hit, but I only I think that's more to do with um, you know, sort of nearly twenty years difference between now and then. Please don't describe two thousand and six as nearly twenty years ago. Well, it is. <laughs> we're not that we're not that old, please. Sorry, 16 years ago or whatever it is. I, I, not better. Not no, better I was trying to work out how old I was when this came out. And a few weeks sad. back will do. Well, I, I was only 26 when this came out and now I'm 42. So, um, yeah. So it is It is of its time, unfortunately. As far as, but I'm going to give it a creative psychopath because I think um, it's got a legacy and it's faith. It's, like I say, kind to the old movies and the kills in it are fantastic. So yeah, CP from me. Okay, well I'll I'll, I'll go I'll go next then. So uh, I, I've I've been very negative so far, but I'm not going to give this a shit because for first of all, the kills, as we said, were fantastic. They were extremely fun. They were. The, the 80 slashers dialed up to 11 and they were they were really good so i think for that alone it moves away from the shit territory uh and also uh most of my criticisms again i, I i'm not sure of them i'm you know I'm, I'm not going into this with the uh surety that i would i would normally do so for that, I'm going to say, no, that's spooky. Oh, that's spooky. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. Do I have to give it some stank? No. Whoa, I... spooky. Whoa. No, now it makes it sound really great. Ah! Sorry, I'm going mad. 
Uh, so, Sam, what what did you think? I mean, you chose this, so presumably... He's going to get a creative psychopath. Um, of course. I love it. It's just wonderful. I love Victor Crowley. I adore Adam Green. Um, big fan of Adam Green's work in general. Um, so, yeah, I guess a creative psychopath. Excellent. So that's um, that actually gives the movie a creative psychopath, two against... Two against one yeah i'm i'm so i'm not going to complain i I have no problems uh with with that Uh, i am going to uh to look into a few more of adam green's films uh and just see if it helps me just get this a bit more. yeah apparently there's a tv show that he did that's quite good called holliston excellent which i've heard's really good there was only two series of it but i've heard it's really good um and I think he does a podcast, which is good as well, but I don't yes, know. Yes, his podcast is excellent. Um, Holliston is fantastic. Um, it's on US Shudder, not on UK Shudder. Um, so do a sneaky VPN. Um, but as horror fans, it is just so lovely. It's a sitcom about two, right. it's about two horror um, horror fans who want to make their own horror movie. And they go to horror cons and there's cameos from John Landis and um, Daniel Harris, um, Kane Hodder, Tony Todd. It's just jam-packed oh, full of um, cameos. There's that sounds like fun. facts in there. And Adam Green has an imaginary best friend who is Odorous Among Us from Gua, which is just wonderful. I definitely recommend also, it. Also, I'm just going to say as well, thank God that there's an outlet that's not that now because the fact that instead of, you know, me and Mark having to go out and try and make a film, which we would do shockingly badly at, well, I would anyway, I'm, I'm not sure about Mark, but, you know, thankfully we can just come on here and talk about films instead and it's, you know, <laughs> we, we get our outlet that way. Yeah, we do. Maybe I... So other people can make TV shows about people that can't make horror films instead. Yeah, I'm going to try and look at that. Oh, you've, you've sold that to me. That sounds pretty good. That sounds like it'd be right up my uh, alley. Keep out of my alley. Right. Um, so that is, well, that's the filling. That's the delicious, delicious mashed potato and sausage filling. Ooh. And uh, so now we're going to try and create this sandwich with the last two questions which is, what is a scary moment from a non-horror movie that you remember? Well, this took me a while to think of. Um, I thought of two, but then I narrowed it down to one. Um, There's a scene in The Rescuers, and I loved The Rescuers when I was little, but there's a scene where they send the little girl Penny um, down into this well to retrieve a gemstone that's inside a skull. and I think the lady's name is Medusa and she's really scary. And she makes a little girl go down into the well on a bucket and the tide is rising and she's going to drown, but she's got to get this gem out. And I remember just being absolutely terrifying. There's a scary skull. She's got a sword. There's peril. Very frightening. And this is a mm. Disney film. Well, Disney are good for that. I'd say. Um that that's a that's a first and I must admit I have no frame of reference for that. I think I've seen the rescuers, but I don't I can't Very recall. Good. 
I can't recall. Um, so, if you could make any non-horror movie a horror movie, what would you choose? I would choose Amelie. I was trying to think of something that would be really whimsical and lovely that I could then make really horrible and frightening. And the first thing that popped into my head was Amelie. So I would watch. I that. don't know what it would look like. Um, maybe some gnome based revenge rather than um, trying to solve all the little problems of her neighbors. But um... no, instead of trying to solve the little problems, create more problems. Yes. <laughs> And imagine that beautiful um, score, just slightly in a minor key. It'd be beautiful. You know, when you said beautiful score, I thought you were going to say creme brulee. And <laughs> could you imagine that beautiful creme brulee? But we, we ruin it, cover it in black pudding. Oh, no. Ah! Uh, <laughs> That's how you'd make it horrible. Yeah. Crack the spoon, but instead it's just blood and fat. I once very much upset my sister by stealing her spoon as she went to crack the top of a creme brulee because I'd never done it. And I'd seen the film Amelie many, many times and I cracked the top of a creme brulee and made her very cross at me. Fun fact. Hmm. Uh, no, I think that is, yeah, that's a very good shout, is that. I think we you could make a really great horror film out of that. Like you said, in, like, you know, instead of trying to solve the little problems, just fuck people up just little <laughs> just in little ways yeah uh, I, I must admit i haven't seen that movie i probably should oh it's so um lovely. it's delightful uh, it doesn't sound like it's my sort of film i, I only like ones that make me feel bad later or i think maybe we need own. to do like just like a month off where it's just like we just release ourselves from horror and just do like a month of just really like nice flowery pleasant films you know what i was just thinking the very same thing today that I, that that we could have a month of of non horror but i'm not sure whether that would work well amelie's a very nice palate cleanser i actually watched we could it. do the holiday as well yes holidays um, lovely i suppose if people want us to do it do that we could have a month of talking about movies that are non-horror movies, but then pitch how we would turn it into a horror movie. Um, and then we're staying on track. Um, yeah, we're still technically allowed then, I think. Yeah, so if people want, if, if you want us to do that, let us know. Um, I I think we probably just will. <laughs> just do some, make people watch something really, really horrible, like Irreversible, and then watch Amelie after as a lovely palate cleanser. I don't think I want to watch Irreversible. Oh, it's fantastic. I think, uh, I've, I'm sure I've seen it. In fact, I definitely have, but I didn't, not for me. Uh, yeah. Very difficult to watch film, but very good film. Yes. Uh, right. Okay. So that is, that is the delightful horror sandwich made. Because it's a horror sandwich, though, I'm going to ruin it for you. And, um... I was slightly annoyed by your story of breaking your sister's creme brulee. So I'm going to allow you to have your your sandwich, but all the way through, your sister's going to clock you on the head with a teaspoon all the way through it. Um, every couple of seconds. Duck. Yeah, I probably deserve that in fairness. Yeah, so um, you will be allowed your sandwich, but you will be tortured with a spoon. Okay, <laughs> deserved. Okay.
So, uh, revenge. Uh, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Right, yeah, so that brings us to the end of the podcast. Yes, we've done it. We've, we've talked about Hatchet. We've got some lovely answers from Sam. And um, we're drawing to a close. So all you need to do is make sure that you follow us on all the, what is it? Social medias, that's what they are. Um, especially the Facebook group, because, um, you know, we do stuff on there about... What movie we're doing this week? Why don't you tell us what you think? Nobody told us what they thought of Hatchet, which is either no one had seen it or I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. This is the conversation starter. Yes, yes. Um, you, I, you don't have anything you want to plug, do you, Sam? Um, well, one day eventually I will get around to doing a podcast, but until I get off my bum and actually do that myself, no, I do not. No. Um, I'd like to. I'm just have ideas and then don't do them so it's very lovely to be here and and feel like i've scratched a bit of that podcasting itch it's been lovely to have you it's been lovely to have you on here um maybe we'll just plug radio gore press then (laughs) ah we love lovely radio gore press that's how sam and i have met through um radio gore press which is another horror movie podcast which is um uh, worth worth going to listen to um, after this after one. this one this is i mean if you've got this far you've you've listened to this one haven't you this already? is your priority because we're just one but go and listen to all the episodes you haven't listened i'm to. just whiffling unless on. you've kept up with it all the way through in which case fine go go over there now <laughs> hmm. do whatever you want but come back next week oh lovely come back next week yes because we'll be here next week doing another film um let's just bloody bring this into a close Right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Good luck.